Hey, I'm Jason Gray. Hey, this is Sarah Gross. Hey, I'm Andrew Osinga. Hi, this is Michael Carr. Hey, this is Andrew Peterson, and you're listening to Voices in My Head. And this is me, so let's have some exciting music. Who is me, you ask? Well, me is Rick Lee James, and this is my podcast, Voices in My Head. We've got a great show for you this week, so stay tuned. Welcome back to Voices in My Head. I am your host, Rick Lee James, as always, and this is episode number 137. Today's guest is Andrew Peterson. Yes, Andrew Peterson returns to the podcast. We had a wonderful conversation in Nashville, Tennessee at the Northwind Manor, and I'm really thrilled to be able to bring that to you today. If you hear the washer and dryer going in the background, that's because the washer and dryer are going in the background. Um, And by going, I mean not that they're like going somewhere I just mean that they're running so if you hear that you'll understand that I'm in my basement that I like to call the studio the voices in my head studio Uh, but man what a great episode we have today did you like last week with Dave Cleveland wasn't that an amazing conversation and just to get to hear the kinds of things that um, that Dave has done not only musically but to to hear his heart for God and um, maybe even hear God's heart for him I guess I should say in the midst of that and uh, I just think that the creativity that flows out of that guy is incredible and uh, and I was just thrilled to have Dave Cleveland um, on my podcast last week I'm I'm more than thrilled to say that he is uh, he's all over my new record playing guitar and um, honestly it just wouldn't be the record that it's going to be once it releases um, without his playing so thanks again to our guest last week Dave Cleveland Thank you this week to Andrew Peterson. Here we are at the time of recording this. We're still in the season of Lent. Um, Depending on when you listen, maybe you're listening 10 years from now and you're wondering, uh, when was this recorded? Uh, Well, we are uh, in the the season of Lent. It's uh, it's about mid-March right now. And uh, I thought it would be uh, interesting for me, if no one else, uh, to revisit one of Andrew Peterson's albums. It's it's a favorite of mine. Um, He did a record called Resurrection Letters, Volume 2. I think this album released back in 2007, if I'm not mistaken. You guys can look that up. There's a whole big thing called the internet where you can get that kind of information. But Resurrection Letters, Volume 2. You might be wondering, why is it called Volume 2? I don't remember him releasing Volume 1. Well, we're going to actually talk about that a little bit in the podcast. There's an interesting story behind that, and it kind of took a page out of George Lucas' Star Wars move, and, you know, where they did Star Wars Episode 4 first. Well, he did Episode 2 first, and and so we're we're anxiously waiting for the day when Volume 1 of Resurrection Letters is going to come out. But today, hopefully, is going to be a resource for pastors and worship leaders and and maybe even people who um, are not in that capacity, but you need some way to kind of facilitate um, a message of Easter in a new and unique way. If you haven't heard Resurrection Letters Volume 2, then I encourage you to go out and buy that first of all. Uh, We're going to begin the podcast and end the podcast with songs from Resurrection Letters Volume 2 by Andrew Peterson, just so you can get an idea of of the album and the feel of it. There's songs that are really appropriate for like baptism. There's songs that would be really great sermon illustrations actually for messages about the power of the resurrection in everyday ordinary life. And uh, so I, I was just 
really happy to be able to talk to uh, to Andrew Peterson and just to kind of be able to pick his brain. Um, let me say uh, thank you so much to him, to uh, his brother Pete. Uh, got to meet some of his family there while I was in Nashville. Uh, they brought me to this really cool location called the Northwind Manor. It's a house that's over 100 years old, and they use it for things like, uh, like house shows. Uh, Michael Card teaches a Bible study out of it. Um, they even have people that live there. And, uh, and it's, it's just a really uh, wonderful, welcoming environment, and I, I felt so welcomed by them, and, uh, and I really appreciated my time with Andrew Peterson um, while I was in Nashville on a, on a less than a 24-hour long trip uh, last week, but uh, boy, it was a great time. I think you're going to really enjoy this conversation today. Now, just before I play this conversation and the music of Andrew Peterson, uh, I do want to let you listeners know that I'll be playing in Auburn, Indiana on uh, the 22nd of May at a, at a place called the Cupbearer Cafe. Um, it's going to be a really fun concert at a really cool little venue there, and I would love to make a, a weekend of it. So if you know of any churches in the area, uh, in the vicinity of Auburn, Indiana, I'd love to do it like in the same city, maybe do a couple different churches, or maybe even lead like a, a spiritual renewal weekend at one of your churches locally. If any of my listeners are near Auburn, Indiana, uh, anywhere in that vicinity, I would love to to work something out for that weekend of May 22nd. Um, The 22nd is a Friday night, so I'm looking for somewhere to play and or speak on the 23rd and 24th. So if you know of anyone, please send me a tweet at Rickley James, or you can uh, go to my website and go to rickleyjames.com slash contact, and you'll be able to find contact information there. Uh, I'd love to work something out over the weekend where we can have uh, really a great uh, spiritual renewal weekend together, even if it's just a series of concerts. Um, I'm really excited about bringing the music from the new album that's going to be released. You'll get to kind of have a preview of what's going into that, and uh, hopefully I'll even have uh, some of it ready to share at that time. Uh, It's a couple months away, so we have some time, but Auburn, Indiana listeners, that's for you. All right, well, that's enough of me babbling on about myself. Uh, The one you really want to hear from today is Andrew Peterson. He's a brilliant author, brilliant songwriter, uh, and just a great guy, and I really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you for listening to Voices in My Head. God bless. Things new, all things.
back to Voices in My Head. Here I am uh, on location in Tennessee at the Northwind Manor. And uh, I'm sitting here with Andrew Peterson uh, on a very comfy couch in front of a nice, warm, I believe, electric fireplace. It is uh, a fake fireplace. <laughs> fake fireplace. <laughs> and uh, it's just been a, a good time of uh, just kind of catching up a little bit. And uh, I wanted to have Andrew on because his listeners all know we're in the season of Lent right now. And we're getting closer to, to Easter and what that means. And, um, you know, what you always want to do with an artist when you bring them on is not talk about their newest project that they're excited about. You want to talk to them about stuff that they did years ago. <laughs> and so, so, so I decided, hey, Resurrection Letters is a, is a really intriguing concept. And Resurrection Letters Volume 2, I should say. So I want to talk a little bit about the name. But I also wanted to give Andrew a chance to talk about some new things. Um, I've been enjoying Andrew's books as well as his music and um, just such a creative person. And so hopefully in our conversation today we'll find some things that um, maybe are beneficial for the church and maybe even some useful tools um, that people who you know work with the people of God um, can kind of mine out for the season of Easter. So Andrew Peterson, thank you for being on Voices in My Head again. Thank it's you. nice to... Nice to be face-to-face instead of over Skype this time. That's right. We did it over on the computer last time. I did, and I, and I was so new to it at that time. Like, the first 10 minutes of our interview didn't get recorded, and I felt, <laughs> like, super embarrassed. And you were recording the Lightfield Lost Boy album uh-huh. at the time, and it was And I said all the awesome you. stuff in the first 10 minutes. <laughs> it was. I'm sure. But you had just, like, met with Paul Simon not long before that. Oh, yeah, I remember that. You were on tour with Stephen Chris Chapman, so probably life was pretty good. It was a pretty fun season, for sure, yeah. Um, Well, I wanted to, I've always been intrigued, and I haven't really heard too much of the story behind um, Volume 2, like Resurrection Letters Volume Mm 2. So my understanding was, I think... Um, you had the Behold the Lamb of God album, and it was sort of your, your advent, but, I mean, that, that kind of even has some Easter themes mm-hmm. in it, too. So tell me maybe about kind of the birth in your mind of Resurrection Letters Volume 2 and kind of yeah. the concept of that. Well, let me think the best way to answer the question. So oh, around, you know, not long after we started doing Behold the Lamb of God, the tour, um, people a few times would come to me and say, you know what you need to do is an Easter version, you know, re- do the same thing only at Easter. And, um, and I resisted the idea because I, I didn't want it to ever feel like I was trying to capitalize on something mm-hmm. or, uh, ride the coattails of another thing. And, and I really felt like behold the Lamb of God was an Easter project. Like, yeah. <laughs> like the, the, you can't have one without the other. Um, and so it felt very much like I would be repeating myself because um, the whole, you know, the end of Behold the Lamb is all about, um, uh, it, it ends at kind of the same place. Like, mm-hmm. um, And so I didn't, I just kind of discounted the idea for a long time. And then um, a few years went by and I read a few books that lit me up, one of which was um, Surprised by Hope by N.T. Wright mm. and... Um, Gosh, what else? Anyway, there were a few books that I read that all seemed to like wake up in me a, a real, um, a deeper appreciation for the resurrection story, um, and and so then you know that gave birth to a, a batch of songs that were loosely connected by that theme. So, 
So I don't remember what year this was um, when Resurrection Letters 2 came out. But we went into the studio and I had most of the songs written. And, and a lot of times it's like, um, I don't know how other people do it, but I, I tend to, um, you know, I'll have a, about half the songs written mm -hmm. when you go into the studio. Um, you'll have starts on some other songs. But, you know, I feel like I'm always just following clues, trying mm -hmm. to figure out what this album is about. And, you know, not every album has to be thematic but I like it when it is you yeah know, sure I kind of nerd out a little bit and, and look for okay what are the themes that keep showing up in in the songs that I've been writing in the last few years and on this particular record I just kept seeing little lines and little nods to the hope of the resurrection and, hmm. and you know kind of the you know, what what Christ's resurrection means today mm -hmm. and so um I thought oh I'll, uh, somebody online I think um Oh, yeah, it was a guy named Tim Bourne, who I only knew on the Internet, uh, posted a message or something on Facebook, maybe, that said, you know, hey, I'm looking forward to, to listening to these resurrection letters you've been writing. And I thought, that sounds like an album title. <laughs> and uh, so I totally ripped it off. I see him. He lives in Oklahoma. Okay. So when I play out there, he'll be like, hey, I'm Tim, remember me? I'm the guy that gave you the, the album title. And so... Uh, so I should give him a free copy or something. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I did. I don't know. Um, but the uh, anyway, so we we started making the album, and uh, about halfway through the making of that record, I realized that um, maybe I was being um, stubborn mm -hmm. um, when people were suggesting that I write a series of songs specifically about Jesus' resurrection. And this was felt more like part two of those two yeah. albums. So it was kind of like, oh man, if I could go back in time, I would go back and put all these songs on hold, write a series of songs specifically about the passion of Christ and his resurrection, and that this would be the answer to that. Mm -hmm. Only we were too invested in the project, and I thought, well, George Lucas set a precedent. <laughs> I'll just call this one volume two and, and uh, go back later and write volume one. So the bad thing about that is I've set myself up for... Um, the same failure that George Lucas experienced. <laughs> so, so somewhere, <laughs> somewhere, Jar Jar Binks will show up. Oh in man! One of, uh, Lord, help me know. And so, anyway, <laughs> I, so I've been. I really, I still am ex as excited about that idea of of mm -hmm. trying to find a way to tell that story with a series of songs. But it feels, it feels like a you know. There's no more important subject matter that I can think of that mm -hmm. I would kind of bend whatever gifting I have to. So I'm scared to death of doing it. Sure. I'm just, I've been putting it off and, and, um, yeah. so yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what's, and part of it is that like with Behold the Lamb of God, I had a very clear vision of what, uh, that album, uh, what I wanted that album to mm -hmm. be. Like I, I could, it was a narrative thing and I imagined different voices singing different songs and, I can kind of picture it in my mind from a bird's eye view. And with this, I just have not nailed down any yeah. kind of real vision for what it's supposed to be. Like, if it's yeah. supposed to be a body of, like, uh, hymns, mm -hmm. you know, I thought about writing. Because we don't have a whole lot of resurrection hymns yeah. that we sing. Um, or maybe it's supposed to be this avant-garde, really weird and artsy yeah. record that um, is more conceptual. I don't know. I just... Well, and you I'll know what, it. speaking as someone who kind of lives with a hymnal in my one hand and a guitar in the other half the time because I lead at my church, um, I always find Easter to be very frustrating because, we, you know, we have six weeks of Lent where we have all these crucifixion songs, uh -huh. and then it's like 
we've got seven weeks of Easter technically by the church calendar, and in most hymnals you've got about fifteen songs, you know, mm-hmm. to choose from, and and the we've got tons of Christmas, you got tons of uh, yeah. crucifixion, and I don't even think a lot of people realize there's a difference between you know mm-hmm. <laughs> the death versus the resurrection. So right. Yeah. Maybe so. I'd be all for another you know set of uh, Easter hymns and resurrection things. Yeah, we'll, we shall see. Um, well, but it is. I, I understand what you mean. Um, it being a little bit fearful to to sit down and write, and there's something about facing that piece or of paper. We're a lot fearful. And, yeah, yeah, I don't I don't know why that is, but I I can relate to that and understand. Mm-hmm. Um, how that would be um but it's it's funny how when it it finally does come and it's it's sort of a uh, like for me i spend a lot of time taking care of my two-year-old son right now so my writing doesn't happen as often as i mm-hmm. would like and i feel like when i go back it's it's very rusty at times yeah, <laughs> like what am yeah, i going to yeah. write this time you know and do that but somehow or another god helps and uh, and comes through so um well all that being said Re- resurrection letters volume two um is a is a very unique project, and so if if listeners haven't heard it yet, first of all, you need to go buy it um, wherever you buy your music from, um, and give it a listen. It it won't be exactly what you're thinking if you're thinking like this is going to be songs about you know um, the tomb and the stone being rolled away and things like that. But I like the idea um, about the resurrection letters because it sort of is like to me when I hear the song, it's like this is. Um, a portrait of lives that have been touched and changed by the resurrection. Mm. And so these are sort of those stories that go in. And uh, my first encounter with it, I, I, I always remember it because uh, Worship Leader Magazine, it's very rare that I see your songs show up in Worship <laughs> uh-huh. Leader Magazine. Um, and, and honestly, I hadn't uh, heard music from you in a couple of years. I'd gone through a move and I would kind of was going through it. And it just kind of was in the back of my mind, but I hadn't heard your music in a while. And um, when... Uh, worship leader sends out the song discovery disc you know mm-hmm. every month with their magazine and the first track i think it was was all things new andrew pierce i'm like whoa he's got a new track and it was great and we've used that like oh, year good. after year sometimes we'll use it um you know around advent beginning of the church here talking about all things new and things like that and uh it's it's one of my favorites actually i like to leave Thank that you. one a lot with the congregation um but there's others on there that are not necessarily like congregational songs but i think they're really good stories and uh, i was going to go through the list um there's a song hosanna which i love they're all really great um all you'll ever need invisible god and then we get to hosea and Hmm. i i wonder if we just talk a minute about the hosea song because um hosea is one of those bible stories that um it's it's kind of a heartbreaking tale, I think. Um, God is calling this prophet to uh, marry a prostitute, and I always wonder, you know, the name Gomer. Um, how would you marry someone named Gomer anyway? <laughs> you know? But all I can ever think of is Gomer Pyle. But uh, <laughs> anyway, humor she was aside, doomed it's, from the beginning. Yeah. It's it's actually a a really like well crafted, well thought out song, uh, and it's not it's not actually written from the perspective of Hosea, but but it's called Hosea. But maybe you could talk a little bit about that because I've always loved that song, and I think that the story itself could be used maybe not in a congregational like singing all together setting but it could really be used to illustrate a story hmm. about you know this whole idea of resurrection well it uh the uh song let me think about this i actually had written it 
around the time um, The Far Country came out, so an album or two before Resurrection Letters, and it just didn't make it onto the album. So we had the drum track, and, and, like the song was tracked, and it sat there for two or three years. And, um, and I remembered it whenever we were recording Resurrection Letters 2. And so, um, yeah, anyway, I, I think I... Uh, this, the story of Hosea, like it, you know, it's a pretty small book in the Bible. And uh, there's only a few chapters dedicated to this part of the story. You know, it doesn't get into it a whole lot. But there, the, uh, the idea that a lot of people tend to think of the Old Testament as um, judgment and wrath, you know. And, uh, and then the New Testament is all this, like, oh, this is all peace and love and grace. Um, but it's all the same God, and it's all the same story. And there's tons of examples of of God's patience and His His uh, forbearance mm -hmm. and His mercy in the Old Testament. Just as just like there's plenty of examples of judgment and wrath in the New Testament, yeah. you know. And so uh, I don't know. It, it just this one particular story glimmers in in all those all the doom and gloom of the mm -hmm. prophets, you know. That there's this heartbreaking and beautiful picture. Um, and what I love about it, there's a passage where it says. Um, Basically, God says to, to Hosea, um, go and marry this woman that you know is going to cheat on you, basically. And then when she's living with another man, go and buy her back and mm. and, uh, and continue to love her as your wife. And this is going to be a picture of my love for my people. Mm. Thank goodness. you know. Yeah. Um, and so uh, anyway, so there, there's this beautiful picture, but there's a passage where it says, um, I used to have it memorized and it's been a while. It's something like, um, there I will give her back her vineyards. I will, um, I will, I will woo her. It's, mm -hmm. It talks about how he's going to woo her out yeah. into the desert, and yeah. he says, "There, I'm going to give her back her vineyards, and I will make the valley of Achor a door of hope." And Achor is a word that means trouble. And I was just this uh, this year reading in wherever it would be, Deuteronomy, maybe I forget that uh, the story of Achan. You remember the story of Achan where. It was like uh, they were conquering all, all the oh, yeah. all these lands, yeah. and, and God said to you know don't take any plunder at all. Mm -hmm. And this one guy Achan took a something, something an idol himself, or a piece right. of gold, and he hid it in his tent, and uh, it, it was trouble. You know yeah. somebody found out about it, and God punished the people, and they named that valley the Valley of Achor, yeah. trouble, because of what had happened there. So this mm. this valley that was named after this iniquity, this sin. Mm. Um, that's the valley that's referenced in Hosea when God says, I will make the valley of Achor a door of hope. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I just think, I like, I, you know, I'm kind of a, I'm not a very academic reader of the Bible. So when I, the few times I ever connect those kinds of dots, mm -hmm. it's just thrilling. And so anyway, but, but this picture that God is going to turn this barren place into vineyards and green and is, uh, is a, kind of a, a thumbnail of the yeah. gospel story, you know. Yeah. So anyway, uh, yeah, I just uh, I I relate to Gomer. Yeah. Um, and hopefully, you know, at well, some point or another, we all will. Yeah. If you, if you don't yet, you will. So. Well, and I, what, the, the thing that strikes me is just hearing you say that again and quoting the scripture about I will woo her back, and um, we don't often think of, um, like the adulterous woman, like she needs to be the one to woo him back. Hmm. You know, like the whole idea of like, well, why why should he be wooing her? He's not the one that was out cheating on her and stuff. Right. But again, the picture of, of, 
of grace and love and sort of like, no, no, you're the one he loves. He's going to do all he can to woo you back. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, in, in some ways, I mean, it's, it's, it's a story almost as, I mean, it's just as powerful as like Les Mis or something where mm-hmm. the thief has shown such kindness, you know, and Jean Valjean mm-hmm. is, is shown such mercy and grace and, you know, no, you forgot the candlesticks, take those too, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, so just, it's a beautiful story, and I think you did a, like, the the two best songs, not that there's a ton of songs about Hosea, but yours, and then Michael Cards has one about Hosea, too, you know, Hosea, oh, I don't fool. know. oh, you haven't heard it, huh. you should look that one up, or just haven't played it, is it old, uh, it's several years old, it's probably a couple decades old now, but okay, so it, I can't claim that he stole it from me, no, no, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, his his was was kind of. I mean, it doesn't sound at all like yours, and they're both very original and beautiful. But his is uh, is sung from her perspective of, um, you know, calling Jose a fool. You know, you're a fool to love someone like me, and I'm hmm. a fool to suffer silently. But somehow, in your eyes, I'd still rather be a fool. You know, like this hmm. this whole idea of um, the really it's the picture of the church. You know, and this yeah. whole idea of how adulterous we can be but anyway um hosea is a great song and listeners you should check it out if you haven't i I think you'll find a very beneficial very moving story and it it could be the kind of thing that um you might use that song uh in one of your services even if you're not going to play it like live i mean let the song kind of speak to an illustration and the whole idea of um, if the resurrection is a reality and say you're doing something every one of the seven weeks of Easter to talk about the reality of uh, the resurrection in people's lives. What a, what a beautiful way to talk about the wooing back, you know, that God has done through, through saying words on the cross like, Father, forgive, but then, you know, meeting us on the beach and fixing us breakfast, you know, <laughs> like afterwards and giving us a meal of fish. I mean, it's just, a, it's a great story of, you know, even people that betrayed and ran away and all that, so... Good song. Let's let's move on to some other ones here. Um, Love is a good thing is is one of my favorites on here too. Um, Don't give up on me. Now, Rocket is a, kind of an interesting one. I'd love to hear the story behind because it just yeah. seems like it's a great song, but it seems kind of uh, incongruous, right? Yeah. With, with the rest of it, but it really is a, a, a neat story. I wonder if you could share kind yeah. of where Rocket came. From. Uh, well, the, the, man, I love this story. The, I I did a show in Houston. Several years, ago, I mean, probably ten years ago now. And um, after the concert was over, this this guy came up and introduced himself to me. And uh, the pastor, um, the pastor, right after the guy walked away, leaned over to me and said, "Hey, that guy you just met is an astronaut." And I was like, "Whoa! I can't believe that I just met an astronaut." And I didn't even know I was meeting an astronaut. I was <laughs> kind of like flabbergasted that yeah. he didn't tell me because I, I'm I'm pretty prideful. I would tell everybody I met that mm-hmm. I was an astronaut, you know. And so <laughs> if I was one, I would be like, I would wear a shirt that, that said I, I'm an astronaut. And so, um, so I was just amazed that this guy just didn't bother mentioning yeah. the fact that he'd been to space mm-hmm. multiple times. And so uh, the next time I played at that church, it was a year later. And uh, this time I, I remembered that. And I was like, I'm gonna, if I see that guy, I'm going to ask him about it. So he came up to me and uh, I said, you're Pat, right? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, you're an astronaut. Come backstage. I want to I talk to you. And so... We hung out backstage and uh, met the band and stuff. It was really fun. He was a very sweet man. And uh, anyway, he uh, he said that um, 
my family and I could come to the next launch. He was going to mm. be going up to the International Space Station in a few months and on a, on the next mi- shuttle mission. And I was just like, my brain exploded. You know, I grew up in Florida, so so you know the shuttle launch was always on our radar. Um, my wife's dad worked for NASA during all the Apollo missions, and so he was one of those guys. You know, in Apollo 13, the guys in the background yeah. with the white shirts and the sure. pocket protectors. That was my father-in-law was one of those guys. So I've always been fascinated by the whole NASA thing. Hmm. And uh, anyway, so meeting one of these guys and then getting invited to the VIP viewing area of the launch was just like too much. And then he said, oh, and by the way, I'm, I'm, uh, if you want me to, I'll, I'll fly one of your CDs to space and take a picture of it with the earth in the background for you. That's fantastic. <laughs> <I was> like... <laughs> Whoa, you know, and so anyway, so he flew up uh, the far country um, and cleared a Venus, ha <laughs> ha uh, and then he flew up an Andy Gullhorn CD, and um, Ben didn't have a record out at the time, so he sent, um, I forget, I guess the far country was his because he had produced it, and so anyway, yeah, we get we we uh, we were we went down and we watched the rocket go up, and it was just this tremendous experience, and uh, knowing that we knew the guy that was strapped to the front of that giant yeah. controlled explosion <laughs> who who knew he could die and was about to like um i mean go to space it was just unbelievable to me like uh, yeah. to have that connection to the whole thing so at the during the week of his mission he was up there for a couple of weeks i think like i would sign into the nasa website every night mm-hmm. because you could they have like live cams of whatever's happening That's and it. so i was always looking for like i wonder if i could see pat actually doing anything up up there and uh he did a couple spacewalks. And so one night I signed in at like 2 in the morning mm-hmm. before I went to bed, signed into the NASA website, and I was looking to see if I could figure out what he was doing when my email dinged. And it was an email from Pat from the International Space Station <laughs> saying, hey, Andrew, just thought I'd say hi. I wanted to let you know I was listening to your music while I was you know, flying over Africa this morning or whatever. Wow. So, I mean, it was just this amazing honor. And so I... And you got an email from space. Yeah, yeah. It was <laughs> unbelievable. And so... Um, so anyway, I it was super exciting, and um, and so I wanted to thank him for mm-hmm. the the great gift. So I wrote Rocket for him yeah. and dedicated it to him in, in the CD, and and um and you know the picture the a lot of times when you're you're writing ideally I think maybe when you're writing is you you can start with a story and not really know what where the song is going, mm-hmm. and then it becomes a pleasant surprise. Yeah. You know? So by the time the second verse came around and I began to to find the metaphor mm-hmm. um it was kind of a fun it, it felt like it fit with the yeah. resurrection letters idea that that, that we're the, the second verse has a line that says that gravity binds us but glory defines us oh, okay and uh the, this idea that there's we're trapped here the only way to get away from here is to strap yourself to something um magnificent yeah. and hold on for dear life you mm-hmm. know and so that to me was a picture of uh christ in the resurrection so uh Anyway, the end of the story is that he also went up on the next shuttle mission, hmm. uh, like a year later, maybe, maybe a couple missions later. And you went and, with him? No, <laughs> no. <laughs> and, uh, we, um, so we by, by this point I had sent him the CD and thanked him and everything, and so I my phone lights up uh, one Sunday morning at church, and some friends were like, "I just heard you on the radio," and I was like, "What do you What do you mean?" Well, this is really rare for me, and uh, especially Christian radio. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the it was it was really rare, and so I found out that they um, that he had chosen Rocket as the space station's wake up song, mm-hmm. which uh, means that like on the news feeds and stuff, you could hear my song staticky 
being yeah. played at the space station. And so I've got a clip of him saying, of the uh, Houston saying, you know, mission, mission control, uh, hello, good morning, spatial <laughs> discovery. And yeah. you can hear my song in the background. And then Pat gets on and says, uh, I just want to say hi to my mom and my kids and also to thank my friend Andrew for writing that song. <laughs> so, uh, which, I mean, I, I showed that to my father-in-law yeah. as proof that I wasn't a total loser, you know? <laughs> so, uh, anyway, so Pat has since become, like, a dear friend. And, um, and yeah, so when I think of that song, I, I think not as much about the shuttle stuff as, as about this uh, dear man and his family that yeah. um, have become kind of a small part of our lives. Well, and the, and the companion song, too, it has to be the tractor, tractor, <laughs> flying through the air, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that would ever get chosen as a wake-up song. That, by the way, my, my two-year-old son, we listened to that album a lot. And, I'm and, so sorry. Uh, no, it's hilarious. We, we laugh at the bear song and all the... the man, those stuff, are, I mean, yeah, those are fun. They're, they're actually like some really entertaining songs. I hope you... Did, how old so. is your son? He's two. two. He's okay. two. I mean, he's not old enough to quite catch all the stuff but it's rare to find children's music that that mommy and me both like yeah and so we, that was we, the goal we enjoy that you need but, to listen to the new ones have you heard the new slugs uh, and bugs record the latest one i've heard is actually the christmas one oh. and so i haven't i haven't had a chance to to hear all of them yet rick but, um, rick I, I you need have... to listen to uh slugs and bugs sing the bible oh I... it's it came out last year and it's it's uh it feels like Graceland. It feels like Paul Simon. Really? Yeah, it's an, a beautiful sound. Ben Shive produced it. But all of the songs are taken straight from Scripture. They're all Scripture songs. That's great. So your yeah. your son will walk around the house singing That's cool. Um, Bible That's verses. Well, it's we it's a, an amazing album. Definitely. Yeah. That's great. Well, um, one of the many... Um, there's so many great songs. We could talk about them all uh, on all your <laughs> records and everything that you have. But... I had to get us on the rabbit trail with the tractor song from uh, from the one. It's so funny that my my father in law actually likes that one, and um, and he'll he'll come over and we'll play him on YouTube or whatever. Sometimes we'll find the songs in the little video and thinks that's hilarious. But um, then there's a song called Windows in the World. I've got news. I, I want to talk about that one, and then my maybe what's become my my favorite of all your songs, at least uh, today, if you ask me, is the Good Confession. Mm. Um, it's kind of like um, I, I hope I hope you like the comparison that you and Rich Mullins both have so many songs that you know, depending on the week, um, it's like nope, this one's my favorite today, and then another <laughs> another time it goes to another different one. But um, before we get to the Good Confession, um, just talk about I've Got News because it's such a great song and. Um, yeah, that, I wrote that for a, uh, one of our neighbors who, um, who made this passing comment. She was going through something pretty, pretty hard and I was trying to empathize with her and she kind of, uh, said something like, well, you don't really know anything about the, what I'm going through. You're a Christian singer, you know, your life is easy. And, uh, <laughs> I just, I, you know, I thought that, that must be like, she can't be the only one who thinks that, mm-hmm. uh, who thinks that, um, that, uh, you know, people on the outside of the church maybe, um, and I think Christians may be partly to blame for this idea that, that, you know, if you're a Christian, then you have it all together and that you, you have all your ducks in a row and that you've got a great answer for every question and that kind of thing. And I just, that has not been my experience at all. Um, I actually just read, a, a passage this morning in a Lent devotional that I'm reading where it said some, I, 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 it said something like, um, the, the more you 
come to love God, the deeper will your pain and exile be. Hmm. And I thought, oh, man, that rings really true, that, like, the more you, you ache for intimacy with the Lord hmm. and uh, the more you sense just how broken the world around you is, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the, how broken your own heart is. Sure. And so, uh, so that idea that, like, being a Christian singer makes me immune mm-hmm. um, to any kind of suffering is, was kind of a funny notion to yeah. me. So I wrote the song almost as a little joke. So yeah. the, the lady I've got news for you line was supposed to be kind of funny. Um, <laughs> and but, it is. Uh, it's very clever. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, the, yeah, that's, that's the song is just it's, this idea that, um, that, um, that man, I, I need as much help as anybody does. Yeah. So. For sure. Well, it's it's a fantastic one. It, it's it is the the cleverness of it and the humor of it does shine through as well. But I it, I mean it brings up an interesting point. I mean when we're talking about resurrection, <laughs> it's funny to me that people would say that about followers of Christ. Like, well, you must have every the easiest life ever because Christ did. You know. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like resurrection or uh, uh-huh. you know crucifixion must have been easy. You know, it's, they don't ever think the steps through logically and. Of course, is, um, I think it's it's either William Willimon or Stanley Hauerwas that talks about um, being a follower of Christ actually gives you a whole new set of problems you wouldn't have if Jesus hadn't invaded your life. Yeah. You know, and um, and I, I've found that definitely to be true. It seems like things get more difficult, and things there's there's a new way of suffering, and it's but it's purposeful and hopeful, and there's a, there's a point mm-hmm. um, many times to it. Sometimes it doesn't seem like there is, but... Um, well, not, well I, like becoming a Christian means that you begin the long work of picking up your cross and following Him. Right. And picking up your cross and following Him is like this, this like slow annihilation mm-hmm. of everything in you that it needs to die, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and like just like peeling your fingers off the, mm-hmm. off the stuff that is killing you. And... Yeah. and uh, so yeah, I've I've felt I'm terrified of that to be honest mm. with you. Like I don't like that idea. Um, and just this morning reading that, you know, thinking about like okay, all of the things that I'm afraid of, uh, like I'm afraid of what it costs me to n- become familiar with the suffering of Christ. And yet that's the very thing that I agreed to when mm. I you know when I kind of cast my eggs all in that basket. Yeah. So. So suffering um, takes on a brand new dimension. I think yeah. you're right. Yeah. Well, and even um, I mean, it's been in the news just recently, but the the I believe it was 21 Coptic Christians that were just beheaded mm-hmm. um, recently by ISIS, and um, I I found a beautiful, well written story uh, online of what's um, a Christ like response, and, and he he, the author I can't think of his name right now, but he said. I'm not talking about what's the Christian response to ISIS. So I want to ask the question: What is the Christ-like response mm. to them? And um, and he said, I, I found an interview that um, first with one of the brothers um, of two of the men that were killed. That was also a Christian. And um, said, How would you respond? And he said, So well, first of all, the Coptic Church immediately made them martyrs. The the 21 people said so that's a pretty good Christ-like response for one thing. The second thing was the brothers said he wanted to thank ISIS because they gave them the chance to make their good confession, hmm. um, which just kind of brought tears to my eyes. Wow, that's wow. Funny. He said because they gave them the chance to renounce and they and they didn't do it and it gave them a chance to publicly declare, you know, as your song really. I mean, it's hmm. my Lord, my Savior. You know, the whole idea. And then they asked the mother of these these men that had been killed. Some of them said, "What would you do if you encountered?" 
one of these men from ISIS and said I would bring them into my home and tell them about how they enabled my sons uh, to enter into the kingdom of God. Hmm. You know, the way it was. And I, I was like, this is, talk about suffering and then hmm. the way that Christ will come in and, and change a heart to a point that could even respond that way, you know, mm -hmm. um, let alone mean it, but even to just have their, <laughs> their yeah. response is just powerful. So all that is to say, um, you know, we've talked about the suffering that is brought in oftentimes into a Christian's life, uh, mm -hmm. but I have found so much meaning over the last, um, it was actually on your, uh, your, your most recent record after all these years, and I was listening through all those songs again, and I like how some of them you redid, you know, some classics, and there's some new songs on there, but for some reason, even though I had heard it, um, you know, for years, I've been listening to The Good Confession, but it just stood out to me one day a couple months ago, and it was just like, uh, the words floored me uh, again, and uh, I think it's one of those moments that, um, uh, I don't know if you feel this way about a lot of your songs, but I feel like when I write songs, sometimes there's ones that, maybe all of them, I feel like, thanks God, because I don't know where that came from, hmm. but it said you know, I needed to write what I needed to hear, you know, or, hmm. or whatever it was, and or, or you've allowed someone else to write what I needed to hear. And um, so with Easter coming on, and it really, I always look at it now as a uh, sort of a baptism song, almost, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, traditionally in the church, Easter has been that Sunday that, um, you know, through the centuries in church history, that's the day for baptisms. And I, I think this year we're going to be having baptisms on Easter Sunday, and I'm going to try to work in the good confession um, mm. with that. Uh, but there's some great stories in there. So um, I'll, I'll ask you this. Feel free to say no, and I can just play the song on the record. But would you be willing to sing that if I hand you a guitar? And I, no I, is a perfectly good answer. But I, you know. I would only say no because it's a piano song. and I kind of okay. it's, It gets really boring really fast on the guitar. So <laughs> if I had a piano here, I would be tempted to do it. But No, no problem. Yeah, well, I, if I don't you don't, if you don't mind, I'll play the track sure. uh, yeah. after we talk about it. It'll sound way better kinda, that way. Kind of book in the show. Uh, <laughs> but, well, I don't know about that. It's just a good song. But... Um, I like how, what I believe it's probably telling your story. It seems mm -hmm. like a testimony song, and it's one that's very relatable. And I, if memory serves, you're a preacher's kid as well, mm -hmm. and I'm a preacher's kid. So when you have the lines about, like, you know, I sang the hymns at summer camp and rocked and rolled in a lousy band, it's like, <laughs> well, that sounds like <laughs> the same story in a lot of ways. Uh -huh. uh, but would you want to talk just yeah. kind of about that sure. song? Because I think it's such a special song. I really do. Well, thank you. I, uh, a lot part of that came from the fact that um that I was trying I remember Rich Mullen saying one time that like one of the few things in your in your life that you have absolutely no choice over is the family that you're born into. Hmm. So he, he says that it's like good to kind of pay attention to hmm. what that you know that part of your story because it's sure. like you can't argue with the fact that like God stuck you here whatever you may think of free will and sovereignty or whatever. And so um you know, I growing up a preacher's kid, you can have quite a bit of baggage, and um, there it's easy to complain, you know, about mm -hmm. some of the the stuff that you you maybe were brought up with. Um, like it's hard; it's being a preacher is hard work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and and I think that like sometimes there there may be a sharper divide between the person that you're supposed to be, you're expected mm -hmm. to be, and the person you really are, and. Um, you know, my dad's a good man and good, good pa preacher. He would call himself a preacher, not a pastor. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but, uh, 
anyway, so I, I think I just reached this point where I, you know, going to church in a, now in a different denomination than the one I grew up in, and um, uh, part of that is with my, my music career, uh, moving to Nashville, and, and uh, I started playing in churches that I was unfamiliar with their mm -hmm. tradition, you know, and doctrinally things that, you know, when I was a kid, you know, people would have been like, yeah. you know, those people are crazy. They don't believe this or that, you know. And then realizing that the kingdom was much more uh, beautiful and varied and mm -hmm. um, big than than I would have believed in yeah. as a kid. It was a really good thing. But, but there's a part of me that, like, you know, probably unsettled my parents a little bit, you know, yeah. that I began to think differently than what I was taught about some things. And, um, and so around the time I wrote that song, I was... I was thinking about that Rich Mullins quote and how much I wanted to just um, honor where I came from, you know, mm -hmm. and and so uh, so baptism is one of those things. Like the song talks about baptism, and, and that was one of the big banners that our church waved growing up. Sure. Like, you know, baptism the way we do it is the right way. Yeah. And I think a lot of churches <laughs> would say that, you know. Right. And so I kind of wanted to 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 write a song that would make my dad go, um, oh. Okay, it's, he, he doesn't think I'm totally wacky. Or, or, or really what it's saying is that whatever happened when I was nine years old, which, side note, I was going through some stuff and I found the Bible that I was presented with the day mm -hmm. that I was baptized, and I was 10, not nine. Oh. <laughs> so, so the song is, totally, is, is a lie. The whole thing's a lie. Well, um, scrap that. Don't yeah, use I know, it. It's take it out. Completely false song. I thought I was nine. So, um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, whatever happened back then was real. Like, that yeah. it was... Like it's easy. I was just talking to a buddy yesterday about that. That um, that you know you can kind of look back at your time in church camp and rededicating your life to Jesus mm -hmm. and the kind of the Christian kind of clunky lingo that we sure. use to describe these great mysteries that are happening, yeah. and we can discount them or we can feel like they're they're uh, you know I didn't really know what I believed. I was doing it yeah. for this reason or that reason. It still happened. Yeah, something happened. Mm -hmm. We were. I was. It's funny. I was just joking with. Uh, talking in the car with my friend about how I have this vivid memory of being in high school at church camp and uh and they were really ha hammering us hard on mm -hmm. like repentance and like yeah. dedicating your life and all this stuff and there happened to be a lunar eclipse that night so the the moon had turned to blood <laughs> and so all of the kids like I was just reading revelation and thinking it's this the end you know? <laughs> yes I will repent and so it's it's funny now to look back but like whatever was going on in my heart that day yeah. like Who's to say that like God doesn't use every little thing like that mm -hmm. to 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 kind of get your attention? Yeah. And so um, yeah. So anyway, the, the song is my way of going. Um, I can't explain it. All I know for sure is that when I was nine years old, I knew I was broken, yeah. and that Jesus was the only one who could fix me. Yeah. And um, and the way my story played out is the way I sing about it in the song. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Well, and you know, as as a father now, and and I only have one child at this point, but I I do have those thoughts go through my head. And, I think about the way that my faith path has, uh, I haven't left the faith, but it's varied, you know, from the way that my dad, who's a pastor, has, has taught. And um, it, it's just that, that God tends to meet us in different ways, I think. It's it's unique, and, and we have different stories. And so I like to hear um, how that unfolds. But there, there's a point now I, I always think about, like, okay, my son's only two, but what am I doing right now? to kind of instill this in him, but then, and I panic about it sometimes, and then I remember, um, it's almost like God sometimes has to, not literally, but 
speak to me and say, you know, you've got to trust that I'm going to be with him on the journey the same way I've been with you mm-hmm. and the same way I was with your dad and the same way I've been um, continually. <laughs> yep. It's almost like God says to us, this isn't my first time around, yeah, with, right. you know, with, with yeah. kids, and I know you're going to panic about it, but uh, yeah. so it's... Wait it's, till high school. Oh. That's what uh, we're in right now, and I keep having to, to, to remind myself of that that fact, that, mm-hmm. like, these are the Lord's kids and not mine. And, yeah. And, you know, they could make... a series of tragic and terrible choices mm-hmm. and the lord will bend that to his will yeah the way he wants so yeah it's he's, not easy he's certainly done that in my life for yeah. Sure. And yeah it's continuing to uh, take me to the woodshed at times for mm-hmm. sure but <laughs> um well i, I want to say thank you again for just taking the time to do this and for listeners um i i, I do encourage you to go out and buy anything that andrew peterson has um, his books are, are also really good, and I'd love to have a, a book conversation, but I haven't quite finished all your books yet. In fact, <laughs> I've only read the first one, and I've got to get the rest of them so I can read them, but I really love the Igaby family, and I, I feel like I feel like they're friends in some way, you know, and I think that's a, really such a mark of um, the way you write. I can't even imagine the kind of muscles you flex to write those type of stories, because, I mean, I, I wrote a book kind of on a journey through the Psalms, but that's non-fiction so i can kind of go here there and everywhere that sounds so, incredibly difficult to me so well it's it's it, way harder things, than making up stories with dragons n- no i think yours is harder but the stories are good and uh there there really are some beautiful matter of fact i started writing a, a song i don't know if it'll ever get finished but i started writing a song off of one of the lines in the, oh. in the first book uh, that talks about it's something like um to a little boy, a warning seems like an invitation or something mm. like, it's something to that extent. I'm like, mm. oh, that'd be a great, you know, like line for a song. <laughs> um, but anyway, all that is to say, um, if you're listening to this podcast, check out Resurrection Letters Volume 2. Um, check out After All These Years, if you're new to Andrew Peterson's music, which I can't imagine, but if you are, um, that's actually a great retrospective sort of, of over his career and um, sort of... Um, what would I call them? Favorites? Hits? Uh, Probably what, favorites. Uh, favorites? Yeah, okay. we, we couldn't call it a greatest hits album <laughs> <laughs> for obvious reasons. Um, but they're, they're really some solid songs. And especially I, I, that song at the end about the Ryman and about Nashville. Mm. And uh, that's that's always been a special place to me. And I, I told Dave this morning, because uh, Dave Cleveland, you'll hear him later on the podcast, listeners, but... Um, He's playing at the Sam's Place shows at the Ryman, and when I was uh, in high school and in Dixon, Tennessee, I got to play at the Ryman one time, and uh, it was, uh, I mean, I felt like the biggest star in the world. Oh, I'm playing at the Ryman, but it, I mean, it really was like a recital type thing, but still, still I was like, still, I'm at the Ryman, you know? Yeah, yeah. So we were talking about, like, holy places, Dave and I, this morning, and there's a, there's a definite, like, separateness to that place mm-hmm. that feels very interesting, so... Yeah. All that is to say, check out Andrew Peterson's music I, and his books, and I will quit babbling now, but um, thank you for being a guest again. You're always so gracious, and uh, I appreciate the ministry that you have uh, to both those in the church and outside of it. I feel like your music speaks a lot, um, really, to anybody because they're very human stories, and I, I appreciate the storytelling side of that, and I don't always get a chance to tell some of my favorite artists thank you, so... So thanks. Thank you. And thank you for being one of the voices in my head this week. I was a boy, just nine years old. 
Listening to Voices in My Head 
the official podcast of Rick Lee James. If you'd like to know more about me, my ministry, my music, my life, go to my website at rickleejames.com. And I'd love this to be a community experience. So if you call 937-505-0162, you can leave feedback, you can give me suggestions for future shows, you can even record comments that I can play on the next podcast. So let's make this something really great together. 937-505-0162. Thank you so much for listening to Voices in My Head, the official Rick Lee James podcast. God bless.